Our Lord Jesus, as we come to your word, we read here in our text today about this mystery concerning the gospel. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts, not that we would understand the mystery, but that we would know that it's already very real inside of us. There is nothing mysterious about what has been done in our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. That you would open us up to understand and hear that we would be taught, that we would be changed from your holy word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So read through this passage this week and dealing with this idea of mystery in the text it reminded me of a thing that you know like where you you can't understand something and see it for quite some time and all of a sudden it just comes to life and you're like oh that's what's going on here reminds me of like watching bob ross paint well if you guys have ever seen bob ross paint i'm sure you have he's kind of a cultural icon if you haven't you should go watch him he's it's quite breathtaking He'll paint for like 25 minutes on this 30-minute program. And for me, you may already, you may see it, but I don't. I don't understand what at all he's doing. You know, my my wife is an artist and she gets a little little bit more. But he'll take a completely white canvas and he's, you know he's going to paint some trees or some rocks or mountains or something like that, right? But the first color that he goes to is like black. And he starts, it's not really black, but it looks like that to me. And he starts just painting it all over the place. It's like, I thought this was supposed to be mountains or like trees or something. He doesn't add little trees like I would do. He just starts painting blobs of darkness all over the place. I'm like, what is he doing? And then all of a sudden he'll start adding little highlights here and there. And then he'll paint some giant vertical line in the middle of the painting. I'm like, I just thought I was understanding what was going on here. And then all of a sudden I don't anymore. And then he starts to paint these little things on this, and it starts to become a tree right before my eyes. He's a master painter. That's why I don't understand what he's doing, because I'm not. He's building and building on this blank canvas, building something that, is, that doesn't make sense to the casual observer like myself, until all of a sudden something starts to come into focus. Something begins to be very plain. This masterpiece is coming out of this time that he has spent building up and building up. God's redemptive plan was a plan that was shrouded in mystery for a long time. We don't really get it. When we come to the Bible and we have the Old and New Testaments here before us, we don't really understand what it must have been like to read up until Genesis 12 and then read about This man named Abram, who was a pagan in the land of the Ur of the Chaldees, that God says, go to the place that I'm going to show you. Why would God do that? It doesn't make any sense. Or wondering why God would have a Jewish man be born and raised by Egyptian parents and then run away from those Egyptian parents only to go back to Egypt to save the Jewish people from there. It's a story that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to our ears. We could keep going, but without the New Testament, we don't have a lot of perspective on what was going on in the old. We would probably just keep wondering why God would build the masterpiece the way that he chose to do it. 
But because of what we have in the New Testament, because of the revelation of God, the mystery of the gospel, and God's redemptive plan for this world comes into very clear focus for us because of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. Through the work of the Spirit, we are changed. We are given access to the Father. We have full rights as sons and daughters in Christ Jesus our Lord. For Christians in Paul's day, the church was really just kind of coming together. And the church was slowly beginning to see this redemptive plan of God coming into focus. And so that's what Paul's job is here as we come to Ephesians chapter 3 to bring this together, this mystery that God has begun to unveil. And and he does that through the writing of the apostle here. So we're going to look at this point or this in two main points. First, the mystery of the gospel revealed and then the ministers of the mystery. So with that, let's look together at the text, Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 1 through verse 13. Please stand in the honor of the reading of God's holy word. Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that is given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in or by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which is given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This is according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated. So what we have here in this passage, just for a little context, is interesting because Paul starts this thing. Verse 1, for this reason, I, Paul, prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of the Gentiles. And then notice, he stops himself. On behalf of the Gentiles, you think he's getting ready to maybe pray something, say something on behalf of the Gentiles, and then he just interrupts himself. And he says, assuming that you have heard the stewardship of God's grace given to me for you. It's like, goes into this reason why he's been given what he has been given. He's, he's interrupting himself. He begins this prayer, which he's going to finish in the subsequent passage. But then he begins talking about his calling. Paul goes on to explain his role concerning the gospel and what we can take away from it and how we should live 
Paul early on was selected by the Lord to be an apostle to the Gentiles. We're going to deal with that as we go into this. He had a particular credentials as a Roman citizen that would make this work really well for that, uh, for that task. Paul took God's word into a Gentile world full of pagan religions. For the apostles who were ministering to the Jews, they could at least call upon the scriptures and the Jewish people would at least understand those scriptures, even though they had to have it open before them. For Paul, he didn't always have that kind of approach. Though he started in a town, in this, each town in the synagogue, he would end up all over the place as he did ministry in the public marketplaces and so on. He still relied on those scriptures as he was preaching to the Jews and the Gentiles, but he would oftentimes have to spend time building up the context so that they could understand And it makes it interesting as we celebrate Christmas Day today, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. I think it helps us to understand this kind of ministry so much more clearly. Oftentimes, we have to build context as we are helping the unbeliever to understand what it is we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas Day. We are celebrating the coming of coming of life and light this Sunday as we recited in the Nicene Creed. And much of the world lives in darkness, but Jesus is the light of the world. We are daily reminded of this death that exists anytime we read the headlines or see what's going on in the world around us. And so when we understand Jesus to be our Savior, he is the light that is bringing light into this darkness, life into death. So as Christians, we are called to do the same brings us to the first point, the mystery of the gospel revealed. Look again at verses 1 through 3. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. He stops himself mid-sentence. He's going to pick up with that sentence In verse 14, which we will look at next week, he stops so that he can make sure his readers are considering his own conversion story, Paul's conversion, as they read this letter. How Paul himself was let in on the mystery of God. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9, because I want to look again at that story. Acts chapter 9, we're going to read a portion of this because I think it's important. So here we have this man who has written half the New Testament. And he had to be led in on this mystery too. And God was directly responsible for doing that. Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. This is, this is Paul that's being spoken of here. And asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them to be, bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and Enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who are traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice and seeing no one. 
Saul rose from the ground, and, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him to Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. So Paul was made blind as he met Jesus. But that's not it concerning his mystery. If we continue on, we see this other part of the story that happens. Verse 10. And there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise, go to the street called Straight, at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, and behold, he is praying. For he has seen a vision, he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from this man, from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And there he has authority from the chief priest to bind all and carry Bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings of the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he will suffer for the sake of my name. Jesus came to Paul, blinded him, told him to go to this town, and in that town he went to a man named Ananias saying, I am sending a blind man to you. And this blind man that I'm sending to you is going to be a minister to the Gentiles. Paul's eyes were open, and almost immediately he began preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. All the while, he was being more and more continually being shown insight from God, and we have his letters to show that now. He refers to this idea of his, this stewardship in verse 2, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace. The word here is where we get our word economy from. Not only is Paul referring to his own job as a steward of God's word, but I think he's also referring to God's economy or God's own economy, his plan to dispense his grace, and that through Jesus Christ. This had been a mystery. How is God going to bring about salvation? How is God going to bring about salvation for the Jews? How is he going to bring about salvation for the Gentiles, which he's also promised? How is that going to happen? Well, Paul was sent to tell the people, namely the Gentiles, that God's plan of salvation was only through the person and work of Jesus Christ, which is what he keeps saying as he goes on, verses 4 and 5. When you read this, you perceive, or you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in in other generations, as it has been now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So the mystery was not just given to anyone, but at the right time, God appointed prophets and apostles to receive that message. For the prophets in the Old Testament, they looked forward to Jesus' day and were glad. We looked at 1 Samuel this morning, we saw... One of those prophets, we read from Isaiah this morning in Isaiah chapter 9, another one of those prophets that prophesied of the coming Christ, and they were glad. John the Baptist, we read the beginning of the Gospels. We read about this man who knew who Jesus was and prophesied for about him. The twelve, the apostles, they knew who Jesus was, and they taught about him. Paul was called by Jesus directly and was taught by him. In other examples, 
of the New Testament, we have others receiving revelation that this mystery had been revealed to them, and now we have that revelation in print. Just a quick note concerning this, Paul uses the word revealed in a past tense, meaning that we aren't to add ourselves to this list of apostles and prophets that are currently receiving revelation. That, that uh, God's revealed word is closed. The revelation concerning Jesus Christ is complete. Paul was simply making known that it had been made known to him. We don't rely on our own revelation because there is no such thing as your own revelation. The revelations of God are handed down through the ages through men that he chose to do that with. So Paul is now going to share with us this mystery. Verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body. Gentiles are now sharing in the inheritance of God. The blessings of God are now due to every believer, whether they be Jew or Gentile, because of the work that Jesus Christ did. It's important for us when we see this word mystery, not to grab a hold of it and want to take it and run with it, thinking that there's some secret way to unlock the blessings of God. The way to unlock the blessings of God became man and dwelt among us, and his name was Jesus. Jesus is the least secret person of all time. Most of the world is celebrating him today. This mystery has been revealed in him. It's been revealed in him that we, too, share in that inheritance through belief in his name. We are all members of the same body. Note that Paul says here, a Jewish man saying this to Gentiles and Jewish people. There are not separate people of God that Jesus saves differently from another group. Someone say that, some would say that God's economy is different for one set of God's people than another. There is one God's people. That's it. There's not multiple groups called God's people. There's one. It's those whom he chose, those whom Jesus died for. And we are all called partakers of the promise. Promises are given to Israel in the Old Testament have now become true for all who believe in the name of Jesus Christ. We have this in Christ who settled our sin debt, both Jew and Gentile. He has become our perfect righteousness in exchange for our sin, which he died for on the cross. Through this, Gentiles, us, have every promise that God guaranteed to his people. The promises for the Jewish people in the Old Testament are ours in Christ. We are all looking to the same Savior to find salvation. Paul talks about this numerous times in his letters. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Twenty-four. I'll go ahead and read through 29. I'm going to quote 28 and 29 later. <coughs> Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the, his body that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship. There's that word again. From God that is given to me 
for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. A very similar passage to what we have in Ephesians 3. Hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints in Christ Jesus. Among the Gentiles there exists the same magnitude of greatness that we see and we get in from God's people in the Old Testament. The riches of God's glory of his mystery, which is yours in Christ. The hope of glory. It's incredible to think that the riches that we have is Christ in us. Christ in us is this great richness that we have. He is the hope of glory. That is the truth of the gospel. That that in us lies the hope of glory. All because of what he did for us. That Jesus gave his life. That death and darkness of this world might be swallowed up in his light and life. That this great mystery would be revealed in him. That he would deliver his people for all time. From the beginning, there had been a divide. There had been this separation between God and man because of sin. And that no longer has to be. Because Jesus cast his light into the darkness. And he drove away death with his resurrection. And that is the picture that the incarnation gives us. We celebrate the birth of Christ today. Across the world, Christians are celebrating the birth of Christ. This is what we see, that this light has come into the darkness. We have a very famous passage that shows us this. Look at Luke chapter 2 real quick with me. It's a passage that gets read over and over during Christmas time. I'm only going to read a couple of portions of it. But you're very familiar with this story, I'm sure. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. Jesus is born in the same region. There were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Messiah. Who is Christ Jesus the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those, among those with whom he is pleased. Now this continues. These shepherds got to see this, the angels were just so overwhelmed with the glory of the Lord, they, they had to sing about it, but it continues. Go, skip ahead to verse 28. Am 
Mary and Joseph present Jesus at the temple, the baby Jesus, and there's a man named Simeon there who had been waiting. And this is what he did when he saw Jesus. He said he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Notice what this man Simeon, a Jewish man, is about to say to Jewish parents about their Jewish child. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon knew that the coming of Jesus represented that God's people from all over the world would be united in this one truth of the gospel. The baby that the angels sang about, that Simeon now lifted up and now sits at the right hand of the Father. And has called us, you and I, to be ministers of this great mystery. That brings us to the next point, ministers of the mystery. Look with me at verse 7, back in Ephesians chapter 3. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. So Paul was made a minister according to the gifts that God had given him. This is a particular role that God has given Paul in his economy. It isn't to say that everyone else isn't capable of ministry at some level. Absolutely, we all are. There is a particular role called a minister, and that is something that God has called specific people to. His task was, the task of every minister of the gospel was to preach the word of God, to bring to light for everyone what was this plan, the mystery hidden for ages that God has Finished in Christ Jesus our Lord. The right preaching of the word always has this bent to it. That Jesus is the Savior. The presence of the gospel is what should characterize every sermon of every gospel minister. Verse 8. To me, though I am the very least of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. We are to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Understand those words. He chose carefully. Unsearchable riches of Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is unsearchable, inexhaustible. There's no place that we would ever come to it and say, wow, I think I've got it now. We're always going to be searching it and learning it, which completely flies in the face of anyone who would say to you, we've heard the gospel. Now preach to us other things that we can know. Thankfully, I've never been told that here. The riches of Christ are unsearchable. There's no sense in which I'm never or I'm ever going to get enough of hearing about the work of Jesus and the salvation that he bought for his people. I'm never going to get enough of that. I'm never going to completely learn it. Just watch my life. There's going to be times where I'm going to act as if I don't believe the gospel. It's because I need to hear it all the time. It is insearchable. It is inexhaustible. I am neither one of those things. Imagine saying, I've completely exhausted the riches of Jesus. Nonsense. Go on to verse 9 and 10. 
Why does he do this? Why do we preach the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ? To bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Not only to shine a light of the mystery of God, but also the wisdom of God can be known to the heavenly places. Why would the rulers and authorities in heavenly places need to know these things? The wisdom of God in having one people for himself is terrible news to those who wish for nothing but disunity and destruction. That God has one people for himself is something that strikes at the vitals of those who want nothing more than for people to be separated. This is exactly what evil spiritual powers in this world would seek. This is exactly what those who would seek to divide want. And so preaching this word shows them that we are not afraid. That the people, he preaches this word that the people might be protected. So that the evil powers of the world would know that Jesus is still Lord. And they do not have a foothold at all in his church. Verse 11 helps us to understand this even more. This is according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the purpose of God for all times. This truth is incontrovertible. Any who would stand against it stands against God himself. And if we understand that, we can go forward, brothers and sisters in Christ, if we understand that God's plan is for this mystery to be revealed to all of his people, and that we are to go out into the world preaching the gospel, knowing that nothing can stand in his way, then what sort? What, what can we have going out into the world? Absolute confidence. Nothing is going to get in his way of him revealing the gospel to his people. And that's what we see in verse 12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. In Jesus, we have a boldness. We have access with confidence. Not only should the powers and rulers in dark places be warned, but we have direct access to the Father through Jesus. We should not be afraid. We should not lose heart. We are called to share this mystery. We should do so with confidence. It's exactly what the shepherds did when they heard the angel's song. What did they do? They stay in the field and contemplate the things that they had just seen. They went into town and they told people about what they had just seen. They were laborers. They were nobodies. They rarely went to town. But the message of God was good news for all the people, Jews and Gentiles. So why wouldn't they proclaim it? Paul was made a minister, but we are also, all of us, in all senses, that we should take this gospel out to the world and reveal it to others. As we read from Colossians 1, Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is a challenge for us today in particular. We need to think about what we're doing each day. What are we doing in our day-to-day lives? Those who are in the church, 
that would be marked with warning others and teaching others about the things that we have in Christ. We can do this by simply just praying for them. I hear all the time of people that have been prayed for. I want to pray for this person, that God would give me an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And even sometimes years later, hearing that that has come about because God is good. Simply walking in good works. Simply walking in the works that he has prepared for us beforehand, as we read in 2 2 verse 10. Shining a light into the darkness of people's lives. Showing them Christ by what we do for them and by what we say to them. How can we change the way that we do life in order to say like Paul did in Colossians 1, for this toil, struggling with all energy that powerfully works in me. Whatever, if it's in our jobs, if I work at the school or wherever you guys work, if we do that there, we should ask this in all realms of our lives. It's the mystery of God's, or is the mystery of the gospel revealed for all to hear? Is this at the core of who I am as a person? Or is it something that I only do for me personally when I prepare this message? Or does it really matter what I'm saying all the time? This is a question for me to ask myself. This is a question for you to ask of yourself. We have a great opportunity here in our church to unveil the mystery of the gospel to all that we come in contact with. So the question for us is, personally, what are we going to do? God is continually painting this tapestry of his redemptive plan, and thanks be to God, we have been made a part of that as he has told us to go out into the nations proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. We understand that he's painting of this tapestry because of what we know in Jesus Christ. And he has laid his plan out for us that we should proclaim this truth to the world. So let us go forth and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we are thankful that in you the mystery of the gospel has been revealed. That in you we don't have to wonder anymore. As we read through your word, we don't have to wonder how are you going to save these derelict people. We know you came to deliver us from sin so that we might be righteous before a holy God. Lord, help us as those that you have called ministers of this mystery to go out into a lost world proclaiming the truth of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost world, showing shining light into darkness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.